Bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean, the simplest cloud platform out there. And we're excited to share they now offer dedicated virtual droplets. And unlike standard droplets, which use shared virtual CPU threads, their two performance plans, general purpose and CPU optimized, they have dedicated virtual CPU threads. This translates to higher performance and increased consistency during CPU intensive processes. So if you have build boxes, CI, CD, video encoding, machine learning, ad serving, game servers, databases, batch processing, data mining, application servers, or active front end web servers that need to be full duty CPU all day, every day, then check out DigitalOcean's dedicated virtual CPU droplets. Pricing is very competitive starting at 40 bucks a month. Learn more and get started for free with a $100 credit at do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. Welcome to Practical AI, a weekly podcast about making artificial intelligence practical, productive, and accessible to everyone. This is where conversations around AI, machine learning, and data science happen. Join the community and Slack with us around various topics of the show at changelog.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Practical AI FM. And now onto the show. Welcome to Practical AI. This is Daniel Whitenack. I am a data scientist with SIL International, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Benson, who's a chief AI strategist at Lockheed Martin. Uh, how you doing, Chris? Doing great, Daniel. How's it going today? It's going great. You know, I uh, finally got a break in the heat wave that's been uh, all over the U.S. here. <laughs> I know you're a little bit further south than me, but yeah. I stepped out yesterday and I almost thought, I needed a jacket because the the difference in temperature was so drastic. Oh, we I haven't I haven't gotten the benefit of the cold weather down here. I'm in Atlanta, and so it's still quite toasty uh, and humid here. Uh, you know, last week I was up in Boston the whole week, and I was really counting on nice, cool Boston weather, and it just didn't happen. It was a uh, it, it was only out. about five degrees, uh, <laughs> you know, cooler up there than it was down here. So I, I was it was sad. Yeah. Well, uh, I have I have a bit of story. So when I when I first joined, uh, or my first job as a data scientist was with this startup, and you know, at the time, everybody was into microservices and all of this stuff. And um, you know, we started talking about microservices. I learned what those were, but they kept saying things like Redis this and Redis that, and we're going to use Redis for this and Redis for that. And eventually, I learned that that Redis is this this cool data thing that can be used for like message passing and data caching and uh, data store and, and all this stuff. Um, and recently I saw that Redis uh, released this project called Redis AI. So that's going to be the topic of today's conversation. We're joined by Peter Cayo, um, who is a senior product manager at Redis Labs. Welcome, Peter. Hi, guys. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, could you just give us a little bit of uh, a background about how you got into software and how you ended up at, at Redis? Oh, that's a, a well. It's quite quite a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, so, so effectively, I, I was when I was a, when I was as a kid, I was into astronomy, um, and I wanted to always kind of like motorize my or um, my telescope 
so it could effectively follow the, the, the turning of the sky. So to to, to have long exposure of photo, uh, photos, right? And that, that sounds awesome. That that yeah that that brought me into um, electromechanical engineering, and then afterwards afterwards uh, computer science. My my first job was uh, was at TomTom. The well, sometimes in 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 the US they they say TomTom, so it depends a bit, but. Um, um, I was working on the um, to the portal navigation devices, right? I was working on the map backend in 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 Belgium, in Ghent. Map quality assurance was a, was is a difficult problem, right? So TomTom tries to differentiate and and how uh, how well the quality of this is of these maps, and they have many rules. And one of those rules is a very expensive rule. It's uh, is the map still connected, right? Can you still tr- travel from everywhere to everywhere? Um, you could imagine, for example, you have a, a continent, you have an island. There's a bridge in between. Um, and the map editor says this bridge is now one-way traffic. So in the morning you go to the island, in the evening you want to go back, but your device says no, sorry, uh, can't do. Um, that would so be a problem. That would be a problem. Um, so for that, effectively, we we were using a graph database. Uh, um, we were effectively using Neo4j, and that rolled. Well, I rolled into to uh, um, into the NoSQL database world uh, because I joined Neo4j, um, worked there for three three and a half years. And, and afterwards, I, I joined Redis um, first as a solutions architect. And then afterwards, they said, like, hey, we've got the, one of these modules here is, is graph related. And I joined effectively the product management team to, to initially first um, support the, the Redis graph module. Um, but now uh, I have uh, seven of these modules uh, under my, uh, <laughs> well, call it supervision or umbrella. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. How many in total, like how, what is the ecosystem of modules around Redis? I imagine there's, there's quite a few. There is quite a few, right? So I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think we have 20, 25 open source modules. Maybe it's a bit good for the audience that I introduce what, what these modules are and, and effectively introduce what Redis is because that, that make, will make the story nicer. Um, yeah, that's no problem. So, so Redis is a, is a key value store. Um, it's an in-memory database. It's a NoSQL database. The most typical in-memory database that most people know is memcache, and in memcache, the value is always a string. In Redis, however, you can have different data types. It can be either a string, but it can also be a numeric value, a list, a sorted set, a hash, etc. So you have many data types. You can effectively see it as memory as a service. So if you're coding, you could say, okay, um, I have uh, this data structure that is residing within a distributed database. So could you just give an idea? So you, you've kind of called out Redis as a, this key value store. Um, and a NoSQL database, and you also mentioned like graph databases. Could you just kind of generally describe, you know, how the NoSQL databases are are separate from what people might have in mind that they execute like select statements on? Sometimes confusing, right? So, so NoSQL stands for not only SQL. So it, it was a, the movement that well, we we have we're living in the <laughs> some buzzwords, right? So there is big data. There is much 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 more data. Uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a podcast about AI, so we totally get the buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nothing so but data, buzzwords. Nothing but, but yeah. <laughs> so, so databases have to consume or to, to ingest uh, um, high volumes of data, and, and, and there were some performance issues. So, so it's not, a, not the entire picture, but what, what people kind of like did was they create some databases and they threw away everything that was kind of like reducing the performance or slowing down the performance of your database. So NoSQL databases typically have a, well, un, unless, well, they also have a different paradigm, but they also have like less strict authentication. They're uh, quite frequently, they're schema-less. Uh, so you can uh, um, put lots of heterogeneous data in, in, inside it. And in that, in that NoSQL 
section of database, you have quite a lot of database models, right? There's, uh, um, so there's a key value store, but there's also a graph. Uh, you could see search also as a, as a database model. There's a time series, which is uh, effectively ramping up lately, uh, which is another database model, uh, for which we also, by the way, have a, a very interesting module. But yeah, I don't know if, if, if you want me to explain further about, talk, talk more about NoSQL uh, databases or how they, they, they came to life. Uh, that that was really that was really helpful for for me. I know that like if we kind of zero down in on the key value stores, um, so you mentioned like one distinguishing feature of Redis is that like the values don't have to just be strings. So you gave some other examples of things that that, that they could be. I, I forget what those were. There's for example, there's a list. Um, so it's a simple well, it's, it's a list data type, right? So you can. Uh, Effectively, it's interesting. Uh, uh, sometimes when I give a, a talk, I, I ask people, so for example, uh, let, let's do the exercise, right? So um, you have two sets of items, um, um, and inside Redis, they will reside as a set. So for example, imagine um, you have two products, and they have a set of tags. Um, now, what could you do uh, with these two sets? What, which questions could you ask the database? With two sets, maybe I should hint. Um, <laughs> so, I, over overlapping in or overlapping uh, um, so, entries or something like that. Yeah. Correct. So you could do an intersection. You could do a union. So so this is kind of like what what Redis is, right? So you, your data structure, effectively, all the methods you could do on your in your programming language, um, um, they they kind of like have commands, con well commands that you could execute against Redis. Okay, so you could have like value a bunch of values as lists and ha execute a uh, some command or in some uh, Redis client or something to get the intersection of those values. Correct. So in a list, you could get the first element, you could get the last element, you get you could query your range or get the exact element. You could also pop an element, uh, uh, um, but in, in a set. You, you could ask, for example, well, uh, is this in a very very efficient way? Does this element belong in, or is, is, is present in your set, et cetera? So I was going to ask, uh, could you kind of like, what are some of the most typical ways that Redis users are using Redis? What, what, what's, what's a couple of really common use cases that, that people are most likely to do? Um, well, it's, it's very broad, right? Um, oh, um, it, it, it's a general purpose database. So is, it, it, you could use it for anything. Um, but most, the most common thing uh, or that people are using Redis for currently is, is for session caching. Um, so, so your shopping baskets, etc. So everything that you, you, you keep track of in sessions. Also for uh -huh. caching. Um, but there are also many things you could use as a queue. Right? So uh, um, there's next to the, well, the, originally there was the list. Um, uh, data type you could effectively distribute messages with, uh, um, blocking on these uh, um, on this list on, on retrieving the first element or the last uh -huh. element. Um, but now nowadays we also have a, a streams data type, um, which is well, well, we'll call it Kafkaesque, right? So it has similar capabilities. Um, you, you can have uh, um, you can use it as a stream or as a topic. So sorry, sorry, as a topic or as a queue. So in, in a queue, you can have, for example, a consumer group. Uh, and each message will only be uh, consumed by a single consumer. Uh, but if you have use it as a stream, you could, for example, say, I want to start reading the stream from here, or I just want to catch up from the end of the stream, etc. And um, so, so also for that, uh, uh, with that specific data type, you could effectively do a message broker or events, uh, um, uh, event sourcing um, uh, use cases. Gotcha. And there are, okay. But there are many more. There are many more. Uh, people use it sometimes to do distributed locking. Yeah, so uh, you've kind of, also alluded to the fact that like at least some of these modules of Redis are are open source. Um, like Redis as a as a company, I know that like there's some things that are 
that are like open or open-ish? Uh, like, how does the company company operate? And like Redis itself, like, can you find it on GitHub? And and what's kind of the the model around Redis? That's a good question, right? So so Redis itself is entirely open source, so it's a, it's a BSD uh, license. Um, so you, you can take it, you can you can uh, fork it, you can resell it, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, then there is a piece where we have these modules. These modules have a, a, a Redis source available license. Um, so the idea is that you can effectively do anything with these modules, uh, apart from creating a, a database as a service um, with these modules. Um, gotcha. So you can, you can embed it in, inside your product. Um, and effectively, it's a bit of a strategic way to, to, to compete to, to, to cloud providers, uh, just simply taking all the open source products and then effectively offering them as a service. The last part is, is our Redis Enterprise part, which is a, is a closed source part. It, it doesn't have any data or engineering specific uh, capabilities. However, it has lots of, of, of enterprise features that uh, y- your company might be interested in or, or is most likely interested in. So there's easy to scale your database. There is, uh, there's effectively, it's, it's an entire database management system. The way you, you, I sometimes position this is that do you want to become an expert in building your application or do you want to become an expert in deploying Redis, right? So if you... Yeah, that makes don't, sense. If you don't want to do the second one, then we've got an enterprise solution for that. So could you could you guess, uh, give us some examples of some of the modules that you have available? Um, I'm curious about what, what the scope of those are. Well, <laughs> I, I, the story effectively is, so we have all these data types and and uh, um, the original core contributor or creator of, of Redis, uh, Salvatore San Felipe, um, he, he was cre- receiving lots of requests and said like, oh, you don't have this data type. How about this data type? So, so he, he created an API, so you could effectively create your own modules and your own, uh, sorry, your, your own data structures and your own commands against those data structures. So um, as we, the commands were, for example, do the intersection in between two sets, and the sets was effectively the data structure. Um, and, and in that way, effectively, you could say, like, well, I, I'm receiving lots of requests. Now you can build your own data structures. And by, by creating those, you effectively inherit all the goodies from the mothership, right? So Redis has... Has uh, uh, um, has many things inside, so it has memory management, but it also allows you to to cluster your database. And um, one of the misconceptions that many people have, by the way, is that uh, Redis is purely a cache. It's effectively a database. However, data lives in memory first, and then we have tunable durability. Um, so now, if you implement your data your data structure inside a module, you can also benefit from that durability, and also have an entire uh, um, spectrum of client libraries that can effectively connect to your database and reach out to those data structures in those modules. Now, to answer your question, right, so um, th- there are quite a lot of them, um, but th- the ones that, that, that we effectively think that are, well, that we're effectively contributing the most to, there are, there are seven of those. So the most mature one is most likely going to be Redis Search. So it's an inverted index. It's kind of like uh, Apache Lucene. Um, and Apache Lucene, for, th- for those who don't know, uh, Apache Lucene is effectively the, the, the core uh, building blocks of Elasticsearch and, and solar uh, uh, technologies. So, but we've built our own inverted index. Um, it's written in C. We serve the entire uh, uh, data or the index from from within memory, and also it, the index is instantly reflected. So, so we do have some 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 advantages there. We don't have feature parity, of course, to these to these uh, products that have been around for decades, I think. Um, however, we we get a very very high performance in in in, in that search. Um, and there is Redis Graph, uh, which adds graph capabilities. Um, it's a, well, 
I know all these modules, right? So I can talk <laughs> for hours about them. So but Redis Graph itself is, 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 is a very interesting uh, um, technology. So I always try to differentiate um, graph native technologies and, and graph technologies. So um, you can put an AP, a graph API on top of a relational database. However, yeah, it will be quite slow, right? You make one table, which is nodes, another table, which is relationships. Um, but when you have to do a traversal or search, for example, a Dextra algorithm, which is a search algorithm between two nodes, you will have to do a join in between those tables con continuously. So a graph native database. I, I'm so glad you're calling this out because I actually got burned by this very issue on a project where like, we were trying to implement a graph database and I mistakenly chose like a a uh, graph layer on top of on top of MongoDB, which is which is another database, and it was so slow. And basically, the the graph logic was was really interesting and and good for the project, but we got burned because of this this issue that you're talking about. So thanks for explaining that. Yeah, yeah. So so, so the difference is that you have graph native. You have an O1 time complexity to go from one node to another node, right? So instead of an O log n in a relational database and Typically, you do try to keep the data as close as possible, residing within the same uh, within the same key, effectively in, in Redis. Okay. Uh, we've got Redis Bloom, which is a set of probabilistic data structures like a Bloom filter, a Cocoa filter. Uh, yeah. We also add a top K. Um, we've got Redis JSON, um, which which uh, is going to take your JSON document and is going to split it up inside a tree, so that in an atomic operation, you can in a large JSON document, you could, for example, uh, append uh, some data to an array, or you could increment a numeric value inside your JSON document without having to fetch it and, and putting it back. Um, then there's Redis time series, which is uh, uh, um, the, the last one that went uh, GA, which effectively adds time series capabilities to, uh, to, to, to Redis. It allows you to do, for example, uh, in, in the role of IoT, it's very interesting, but you, you've got lots of raw data, but you also would like to downsample it. You, you could do that inside Redis already, right? There are many ways to do that. However, you had to write lots of client-side codes, and, and Redis Time Series comes with a toolbox to do aggregations over, over over lots of samples or to downsample them, so you 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 don't keep all your raw data the further you go into history. One more interesting module before we dig into potentially into Redis AI is, is Redis Gears, and it's interesting to mention because um, Redis Gears will be kind of like the serverless of, of Redis. Um, so, so you can do two things. You can, can do like map reduce type of operations on top of your entire data set. Mm -hmm. um, because well, Redis allows you to key value store so you can shard it, you can partition it. Uh, so if you want to run a query across all these shards, uh, there was no clean solution for that. So Redis Gears will, will, will give that to you. The second part is that it can also well, execute certain scripts uh, based upon uh, certain triggers or certain events. So it could be, for example, you add something to a stream or you change a certain key, um, but it could also be time-based, and then you execute certain certain codes. And this kind of like makes the entire multi-model story um, uh, very beautiful. I, and I know in our, in our company, I'm, I'm the first one to say, if somebody says, hey, multi-module, multi-model, please be, be cautious about that. Um, um, so it's not because we have multiple modules in a database that it's we're a multi-model database, but Redis Gears kind of like allows you to do that. So you have, for example, stream of data. You get some some uh, some name change, for example. Uh, you could say, "Hey, uh, the script is going to react upon that new piece of data. It's going to say, hey, Redis search, please update uh, the, the name of this person.' Uh, but also, hey, Redis graph, uh, make sure that graph person or the graph node is updated.' 
Um, so it can effectively talk to all these modules. And that, then it becomes very, very interesting. So you just mentioned kind of this idea of multi-modules or multi-module um, and like the ability to run scripts, the ability to put things together. You also mentioned Redis AI, um, which is really what we want to get into in, in the rest of, of this discussion. Um, but I was wondering just kind of in terms of, in terms of background, um, what is the background on, on Redis AI in terms of why the team was motivated to, to create it? Was it something that users were, were asking for? They're like, oh, we love Redis, but we want to integrate this somehow with like AI models or like what's the backstory on that? And kind of how did it, how did it come about? It came effectively from three ways, right? So the, the, the first one is that uh, um, Salvatore, as when he created this module API, the first module he created was, was Neural Redis. Uh, so that was the, the first kind of like uh, indication that there was an, it could be potentially a need for that. Then there was also so, some some um, engineers inside uh, Redis Labs who created a module called Redis ML. So they thought that they could, for example, have very specific data structures, uh, uh, for example, for a random random forestry, uh, for some regression, some some specific data structures for these models or these AI models, and effectively host them inside uh, Redis. And then there was also somebody uh, um, who was uh, creating Redis DL, another module which is then focused on on, on, on uh, deep learning. And we kind of like combined these efforts and we, we created one one model uh, module which is called uh, uh, Redis AI. Now that's how it came to life, right? And um, but the need or explaining the need is 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 is, is, is also quite uh, important. So um, there are two things we believe there, right? So there is data locality. And then there's effectively the um, uh, uh, the DevOps part of, of of publishing your your model. The publishing of your model it's it's quite it's always straightforward. It's always convenient. So you can, for example, have your 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 model. You wrap it inside the Flask application, uh, but then you have to scale it yourself. You have to add all these things uh, um, manually. Um, so with, with Redis, we effectively have all these things already. We can scale it. We can we can cluster your database. So we, can, we have all these clients already that can connect to it. We already have high availability. We have effectively also durability. So if your, your data, if, if your Flask application goes down and you didn't, for, for example, well, if there's no high availability, then your, your, your model serving would no longer be available. Um, so all the goodies that, that Redis brings as a database, you suddenly also get for free if you would add Redis AI to, uh, or some, some these models to Redis. The second part is that that we believe is, is a data locality. Um, for that, maybe it's interesting to to give a model uh, or to, to 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 tell a story. For example, you have a chatbot application, and this chatbot application has a certain model, so it takes in two tensors or it takes in two uh, uh, input parameters. The first one is your your latest message that the, the chatbot received, but also the second one is the intermediate state. Uh, so there's an intermediate state of the past or the history of that conversation. And combined with that, it, it, it produces an output. And the output is the response. But it's also a new intermediate state. Uh, and that is a new history of your conversation. Um, now, you, you want to keep that as close as possible to that model. You don't want to go and fetch it from another database, then bring it to your application or to, to, do, to your own Flask wrapper where you've written, uh, um, where you try to deploy your, your model, adds another uh, uh, data fetching. For sure, if that data you want to fetch becomes large, uh, there will be some, some, some latency. And, and well, what we believe in Redis is that everything should be extremely fast, right? Because there's a high throughput, well, there's a demand for high throughput databases or high, high throughput requests. 
uh, with very low latency. Everything needs to be more and more snappy by actually creating these data structures or by creating Redis AI. We could now run your 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 inference where your data lives, right? Because people sometimes also have, for example, some extra input data, get a user profile and, and feed it to your model to do a, a better inference um, or classification, right? So that now that data doesn't need to be fetched from, from another host or from another database. It's already there. It can live within Redis next to the model. So, you know, as you talk about the chatbot example, you know, where is the tensor serving um, where you're executing deep learning models? How, do, how does that fit into this? Could you kind of give it to us, give the context of that so that we can kind of map it together? There are three data structures inside Redis AI that we add. So there's a tensor, there's a script, and there's a model. Um, so you can effectively now, the key value store, the value now can be a tensor. So you can host your tensors inside Redis. Is that answering your question? I think so. I was just wanting to kind of like break it down in the sense of with the chatbot kind of walking through how you're using the module, how, how, how Redis AI is fitting into that example. If, so if you were coming into it for the first time as a user that was wanting to use this, just kind of taking that as a, as a contextual example about how I might do that. Like if I sit down after, after our conversation and try to do it, can you just kind of describe it uh, end to end in terms of how that happens? Right. So, so, so your training part is still going to be uh, going to be the same, right? So, but w once you, you you've you've trained your model and you, you're sure that it's, it's the right fit for it, you can effectively uh, um, import it inside Redis AI. So we're, we're building qu quite some tooling around it to make it more easy, so that you can do it, for example, directly from 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 Scikit-Learn. Uh, there's already um, uh, connected for that. We also have connected, for example, for Sp from Spark. So you take your model and you can put it inside Redis. The next thing is if you want to build an application, you will have some some, some client library uh, that is going to connect to Redis. And from that client library, you could, you could uh, um, post effectively your tensor inside Redis. You could say, hey, here's my new message. There's also the output tensor. Well, there's also the, the input tensor of the intermediate state. And then you can effectively run that model. It's another command. Uh, that you can run from the client side or the client library application side uh, to, to do your inference. Yeah, I'm going to kind of, uh, so I have a theory going in my in my mind and I want to kind of check it. So you mentioned the three data structures. You got the tensor, the graph or, or, the, or the model, and then the script. So would it be true that you could kind of have tensors stored in, in Redis and these might be like, uh, test examples, or maybe these are like knowledge base articles. If you're answering questions out of a knowledge base, or maybe it's like some images or something, and you could execute like certain of the scripts of the script uh, database or data structures on those tensors to maybe do like pre-processing or something, and like combine them in interesting ways before they would be passed off to maybe the graph data structure to actually perform an, an inference with with a model and then maybe it would go back to the scripts for like post-processing and then stored the results stored in like tensor data structure again. Is that is that kind of on the right track or? That is exactly it. That is exactly it. That's how we want it to be. So you can have these, these, these three data structures and you can combine them and mix and match them as you go. So you can also use that as, an, as uh, well, if you would like to run several models and combine the results, you could also use a script and run them several graphs. Uh, underneath. One more thing is that, well, it's it's that is coming up is effectively you will have a command which is a direct uh, acyclic graph, so you can effectively execute those commands combined, right? So you could, for example, do you set a, a, a tensor, uh, um, but then the output is passed to a script. The script's output is then passed to 
uh, a model, and then the out model output is once again passed to a script, and you can then the output of that script could be a tensor that is persisted inside Redis, right? So you can kind of like pipeline those uh, those commands in, in a single uh, in a single call towards Redis. But you, you, your explanation was spot on. Awesome, yeah. So I, I'm just part of the reason why I uh, I, I have that. Excuse me. I have that in mind. Is um, like I have, I have a direct use case I'm thinking of uh, in in the problems I'm solving now. So we have like a bunch of knowledge base articles that we're doing reading comprehension on, um, but we're also doing like a full text search of those based on TFIDF. Um, and so my thought is, oh well, what if I could? So I don't know. Check me on this to see if this would be a proper way to use Redis AI. But I could like store the knowledge base article text as certain uh, maybe string elements, uh, string data structures in, in Redis. And then I could use maybe a script in combination with the the graph that would store like my vectorizer, my TFIDF vectorizer, to transform those into like actual tensors um, in the tensor data structure. And then when I would do like a document search on those, maybe I could use some of the like overlapping or or score generation script or something to actually do the do the matching i don't know what do you think i think that makes perfect sense to me that this is effectively what we want to do and it can even be more beautiful uh, as uh, well you, you mentioned for example you would fetch your knowledge, knowledge graph as a as a tensor if your knowledge graph is is, is uh, changing over time right you could effectively host that knowledge graph inside the redis graph uh, so, so then it's there, it's living as a database, you can effectively let it evolve over time. Uh, it might be, for example, that you want to add scoring, or you, you could say, well, on, on given searches, you want to bump for certain certain nodes or certain uh, relevancies. Uh, or you may, you might want to make custom queries you want to uh, uh, use as an input for your graph, right? If you want to say, well, if you want to make something very tailor-made. And then, then effectively, uh, um, Gears could effectively be also be gluing all of these things together, right? So but your script could already... Uh, um, well, not not at this moment in time, but it's something we, we plan to do. Your script could effectively then consult Redis Graph and, and fetch that data for you. Okay, yeah. So there could be like, um, so there there could be routing logic that routes between all of these different scripts and the graphs, and the scripts could call the graphs, so the scripts could get get data from the tensors and and all of that. Is that right? Yes, correct. It's a bit confusing here because we're saying graph. We can say, well, that's why we renamed it to 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 model inside Redis and uh, Redis oh, AI. Okay. Because yeah, we, we already have at... Redis graph. <laughs> that's why we. Yeah, uh, no, that that makes sense. I'm looking at one of these uh, figures from the from the Redis AI uh, docs, and there's a graph blob uh, uh, section. So that that makes sense. That would uh, that would help with the uh, with the confusing terminology, which is, I guess, always the hardest part of software engineering, right? I'll take that as a note to myself <laughs> to update the documentation. Yep. Right. Well, this is this is truly practical AI. So you know, solving solving problems on the fly. <laughs> hey, guess what? Brain Science is officially launched. Episode number one is on the feed right now, so head to changelaw.com slash brain science to listen, to subscribe, and to join us on this journey of exploring the human mind. Once again, changelaw.com slash brain science or search for brain science in your favorite podcast app.
It looks like Redis AI is currently supporting PyTorch via LiveTorch and TensorFlow via LiveTensorFlow, and also Onyx Runtime as backends. Um, that's pretty awesome. Um, how big of a role did Onyx play in your strategy, you know, around modules and stuff? And can you describe it a bit to our users on even defining what Onyx is actually? Onyx Runtime is effectively the Microsoft uh, backend or the Microsoft variant. And the reason why we added it was because we wanted to combine, well, we used to have Redis ML, right? So that was purely machine learning. And, and, and Onyx Runtime effectively allows you to also surf machine learning models well, compared to PyTorch, for example, and TensorFlow. So Onyx provides like a intermediate between a bunch of different frameworks, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, so the am I right that you have like PyTorch and TensorFlow sort of the native libraries and then you kind of use Onyx for like everything else? Is that the kind of thought process or? That is a thought process exactly, right? So we can, we can export, we can use Onyx Runtime as an intermediate format. Effectively, we, we're using it in, in, in certain ways where we, for example, want to uh, fetch some models from Spark. We can effectively then uh, um, transform them in Onyx Runtime then, and then upload them into our backends. It's interesting to, to talk about these different backends because the, the model command on, on how you execute or you effectively want to wanna do your, your regression classification agnostic from from the backend that it's uh, running for. So when you would set your model, when you say, hey, here at SAI, I want you to host or serve my model, uh, you would have to, to add uh, some, some, some backend specific stuff. Uh, but once you, you want to run it, um, it, it doesn't know anymore which backend is effectively underneath. Obviously, Redis AI knows, but it's, it's your, your client does need to specify, hey, uh, run me this with TensorFlow. Um, so which makes that your, your, your client library um, or, well, your application developers that want to run, uh, um, want to work with your model or your, 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 your as a data science trained model, they, they get a fixed API. And as you, as a data scientist, you decide, well, over time, um, we think that uh, our model in, in, in PyTorch uh, uh, is better than our model in, in TensorFlow. You can just update that by setting or setting a new model with the same key inside Redis, uh, uh, effectively Redis AI, and, and all your client libraries will still keep on working. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So I'm just trying to think, uh, so w what you just said makes sense. I'm trying to connect it to like, um, you know, practically if like, let's say we take the example that I, that I had before. So I've got like my vectorizer that I've, I've created, let's say in scikit-learn, which I can convert to Onyx format. Um, and I want to, and I create a bunch of uh, knowledge graph or knowledge base article entries in in Redis. Um, what would be kind of the steps I would go through to to actually get something running to where I could take all of those articles in and then vectorize them with my with my uh, Scikit-Learn TF-IDF vectorizer and then save them to back into Redis? What, what would be required for me to do? Would that be like writing some some Python? Would that be like um, some sort of custom client? What, what all would be involved there? So it's a good question. We, we do have a couple of client libraries. So there's a, there's a Python client for, for Redis AI. There's also um, a, a conversion toolkit that we, we kind of like uh, created to help you convert in between these different models if that would be necessary. So via Onyx Runtime. So, so which we can probably uh, share later on or at the end of the podcast. So f f from within your Python 
uh, code, you could effectively uh, just publish your, your model inside REST AI. You could push it directly. You could connect, hey, here's my database. I want to push this model. Um, obviously, there, there, there might be other ways that you still want to do this, right? You might have some, some intermediate, uh, some, some versioning of your, or exporting your model as a binary so you can actually version it. And then you could ship it to to, to uh, uh, DevOps, so they can effectively. Well, there, there is there is clearly there is there is a component missing there to make this easily, right? To 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 uh, uh, to version your model and to effectively say, hey, this is now the new release we want to publish inside uh, uh, Redis AI. Um, you could do it directly. You could say, hey, here's my 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 client, and and I directly push it to Redis. And then afterwards, if you wanna uh, wanna do that, um, you you wanna run that model, you can once again use the same client. Um, but however, that client can also be wrapped in any other application that wants to consume that model. So I'm just kind of curious. We've kind of talked a little bit about some of these use cases. Are there any, uh, before we move on, are there any other really typical use cases that you're seeing Redis AI being used for that we haven't already covered? One of the things where we think is, 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 is uh, transaction classification. And the reason why we, we think that's a very good fit is because it's, it's, it's a high volume, uh, high number of, of, of requests you want to do. And you only have limited time to do so. So you don't want to waste uh, time to find all your metadata or to fetch all your metadata from user profiles uh, that live in uh, potentially in, in different data sources. Uh, so I think transaction classification, some, some fraud detection uh, um, are, are the ones we think that, that will uh, really benefit from, from that data locality and the scale we can offer with, with Redis. I have a kind of, um, I guess more philosophical question to to ask so i would say that like probably at least from my experience like the, there's probably a lot of like maybe even most like software engineers these days like they've heard at least heard of redis or they may even be familiar or worked with it but maybe like data scientists and ai people are like less familiar with redis so um do you envision i guess my question is like there's a lot of people already using Redis for certain things like uh, you've already mentioned like message brokers and other things where they, they have data already flowing through Redis. Do you think that it's likely that kind of the software engineers already using Redis will kind of be able to kind of bolt on AI sort of functionality into those existing applications? Like maybe they want to introduce like fraud detection in terms of their the traffic going across their network or something like that. Or... Um, are you kind of hoping to kind of position Redis AI more as like a general purpose sort of model serving framework where, um, you know, AI or data science people, when they go out looking for the best way to serve their their model, kind of Redis AI is up there with like, you know, TensorFlow serving or, or whatever else it is. Do you think that there's like a, I don't know, maybe it's unclear right now in terms of which direction it was go, but it would go, but I was curious to hear your thoughts. I think we would love it to be both, effectively, <laughs> obviously. But uh, um, so I, I do think that um, we still have to build some tooling around this, right? So, so to to make the full-fledged uh, model serving engine, to make it very practical. Um, by the way, one thing I also want to ma- mention here is that we're effectively not all the development of of Redis AI is done by by, by Redis Labs. It's also done by TensorWorks, so we're we're partnering with them. Um, and and, and Tensorwork is, is is a company that is, is building kind of like several tools for for, for uh, uh, AI purposes. So one of the things they're building is, is might be interesting for you guys to also look into is is, is a versioning system for for data. Uh, so you could effectively, uh, um, well, like Git, uh, you could effectively branch and, and, and make PRs on upon on top of your data. 
Yeah. Uh, the data you want to serve to, well, it's called Hangar. Um, and I'll also well, recommend you to look into it. Uh, but, 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 but over time, effectively, we, we think we will get a, a very nice toolkit. And Redis AI will be one of those pieces into it, right? So it, we want to, we, I think, combined with, with TensorWork, we, we, we would like to make the story where we can say, hey, we've got a complete solution for, towards you uh, for serving your model. Um, on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, is, is in, that, in that case, well, I don't know who the personas would be. For sure, it's a data scientist, uh, but also, for example, DevOps people that want to have a good solution for, for serving those, uh, uh, those models. On the other hand, there is potentially also data engineers and, and our uh, um, uh, software engineers who, who do already have Redis as a, as a tool in their toolbox. And with these modules, they can make all these uh, beautiful new, new applications. So ways you could use uh, uh, um, Redis AI com in combining them, with, for example, with other modules. So if you have a search application and you want to say, well, hey, I have the, these top 100 uh, results here, or I have 100 or 200 results, why don't I run them again uh, through some model to to update or to to fine tune the scoring in between those results it might have a big impact on the, on the user experience. Um, so we, we hope in that way. Just, this is just an example, right? Uh, but we hope in that way that we will we will enable that many new or interesting applications will appear. Um, so we're kind of already talking about you know what you're thinking of going forward. So I'll just go ahead and you know ask you know what what does your development roadmap look like? Kind of what future directions are you interested in taking? And and I know that we've you know obviously there are features that that you're going to have in mind, but you know it sounds like you know we've really covered a lot of tooling. Um, are there any as part of that? Are there any kind of higher level applications that might sit on top of Redis as part of that development roadmap? Yes, we, we should definitely look into that. Um, we're open for, for, for lots of tips and, and recommendations on top of that. For, for that, we do have a kind of like a roadmap for Redis AI itself. We, we do have a couple of features that we want to add. So we would like this Redis Gears module to talk natively to, to, to Redis AI. That might be interesting to, um, well, yeah, you have the script, but you could also fetch data more easily or maybe even connect to, to, to other data sources outside Redis. There is also so, some batching that we want to uh, to, to have, so, so that we can effectively you can run several models in, in, in one go. So there will be also well, another thing that we want to add is, is some tooling to get some performance uh, statistics about how well your your model is running or behaving. So what That'd is the, uh, the the average time? And 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 the beauty about well, the beauty that we we hope to to achieve is that well, there's already an entire ecosystem around Redis. So some guy somehow will have written, for example, some Prometheus. Uh, um, Connector, right? Um, sure. So if we so if you can connect that up, then you immediately get a, some Grafana dashboard out of the box that could show how well your model is behaving. That is one thing. I, I'm sure we will have many more. There's some some versioning potentially of models that we also would like to do, so we, we can have or, or we keep, can keep track of several models or, or versions, so you can have uh, you can switch in between them um, or do A/B testing in between them. That could also be an interesting uh, uh, thing to look into in, in the future. Awesome. So as we kind of wrap up here, um, I was wondering if you could just share kind of maybe where I, I think on one front, like where people that are interested in experimenting with Redis AI, where where they should go to kind of get up and running, I guess. And then second, I'm sure that it's not, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. Um, there's a lot of tooling that's needed, integrations, all of that stuff. So maybe there's people out there that have used Redis um, or or not, but that would be willing to to contribute. So where where should they do, go to kind of get get plugged in? So on one front, you know, people that 
want to be potentially users and then uh, maybe people that want to contribute as well. What's the best way for those those groups to uh, get involved and find out more? So if, if you just want to get started with it, um, there's a Docker container. Um, effectively, all the info is on redsai.io. To, to quick start, there is, for example, there's a Docker container. You can just pull it. Uh, it comes preloaded with, uh, uh, with with all the backends. So it comes with TensorFlow, uh, uh, PyTorch, and NOx Runtime backend. And you can just get started with with that. Um, if you would like to to contribute, there is a Google Groups where you can effectively, well, all Redis.ai, right? So if you would search for the Google Group on Redis.ai, where you can effectively reach out to, to all the developers that are working on Redis.ai and contribute there, right? It's a GitHub project. Um, you feel free to open issues. I mean, we would love that, right? All the feedback you guys can give us would be would be highly appreciated. <laughs> I think we actually we react quite quickly to those uh, those two, right? We would we would love to help or to make Redis AI a success. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that's that's great. Um, and of course, we'll post uh, all of those links that were just mentioned on our show notes. And of course, if you if you're having trouble finding things or, or want to kind of follow up with questions, find us on our um, Slack team at uh, changelog.com slash community or our LinkedIn page. We're happy to make the connections for you forward on links. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation. I was able to like nerd out a bit and think about my own my own problems a little bit. So I appreciate you uh, being being patient with me, Peter, and sharing so much <laughs> great information. You're welcome. No, I really enjoyed it too. So it's uh, it was an honor for me to be here. So uh, thank you for for. for asking me all right thank you for tuning into this episode of practically i if you enjoyed this show do us a favor go on itunes give us a rating go in your podcast app and favorite it if you are on twitter or a social network share a link with a friend whatever you gotta do share the show with a friend if you enjoyed it and bandwidth for changelog is provided by fastly learn more at fastly.com and we catch our errors before our users do here at changelog because of rollbar check them out at rollbar.com slash changelog and we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to linode.com slash changelog. Check them out. Support this show. This episode is hosted by Daniel Whitenack and Chris Benson. The music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at changelog.com. When you go there, pop in your email address. Get our weekly email keeping you up to date with the news and podcasts for developers in your inbox every single week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.